Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 149 of the Bible Reading Podcast. Today's big Bible question, what is an avenger of blood? Is eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth still valid? Hashtag malice of forethought. So, hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. I hope your Memorial Day was equal part solemn remembrance and festive celebration of freedom and the good news of Jesus that brings the ultimate freedom. Mark this day. Two weeks from now, we will know pretty much whether or not things are safer in the United States or not as it concerns the coronavirus. So many people this week sort of, uh, you know, took the opportunity to engage in freedom and gatherings and that sort of thing. If two weeks from today, first week of June, we see a huge spike in COVID cases, well, we'll know why. If we don't see a huge spike, then we can rejoice and begin to think the tide is turning more and more. And I'm praying, I don't know about you, I hope you are, I'm praying, Lord, have mercy on your people and deliver us from this plague. Today's Bible readings include Numbers chapter 35, Psalm 79, Isaiah 27, and 1 John 5. Now, today's big Bible question is a bit of a mysterious one, as Numbers 35 introduces us to the Avenger of Blood, which is not exactly an anti-hero in the style of, I don't know, the Punisher or Ghost Rider or whatever, but he is a very interesting personage in the Old Testament. So let's read the passage and then come back and discuss this Avenger of Blood. Numbers chapter 35 Verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The Lord again spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab, by the Jordan across from Jericho. Command the Israelites to give cities out of their hereditary property for the Levites to live in and pasture land around the cities. The cities will be for them to live in and their pasture lands will be for their herds, flocks, and all the other animals. The pasture lands of the cities you are to give the Levites will extend from the city wall 500 yards on every side. Measure a thousand yards outside the city for the east side, a thousand yards for the south side, a thousand yards for the west side, and a thousand yards for the north side with the city in the center. This will belong to them as pasture lands for the city. The cities you give the Levites will include six cities of refuge which you will provide so that the one who kills someone may flee there. In addition to these, give 42 other cities. The total number of cities you give the Levites will be 48 along with their pasture lands. Of the cities that you give from the Israelites' territory, you should take more from a larger tribe and less from a smaller one. Hmm. Each tribe is to give some of its cities to the Levites in proportion to their inheritance it receives. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, designate cities to serve as cities of refuge for you, so that a person who kills someone unintentionally may flee there. You will have the cities as a refuge from the avenger, so that the one who kills someone will not die until he stands trial before the assembly. The cities you select will be your six cities of refuge. Select three cities across the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be cities of refuge. These six cities will serve as a refuge for the Israelites and for the alien or temporary resident among them, so that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. If anyone strikes a person with an iron object and death results, he is a murderer. The murderer must be put to death. If anyone has in his hand a stone capable of causing death and strikes another person and he dies, the murderer must be put to death. If anyone has in his hand a wooden object capable of causing death and strikes another person and he dies, the murderer must be put to death. 
The avenger of blood himself is to kill the murderer. When he finds him, he is to kill him. Likewise, if anyone in hatred pursues a person or throws an object at him with malicious intent, or malice aforethought, and as it says in some translations, and he dies, or if in hostility he strikes him with his hand and he dies, the one who struck him must be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood is to kill the murderer when he finds him. But if anyone suddenly pushes a person without hostility or throws any object at him without malicious intent or without looking drops a stone that could kill a person and he dies, but he was not his enemy and didn't intend to harm him, the assembly is to judge between the person who kills someone and the avenger of blood according to these ordinances. The assembly is to protect the one who kills someone from the avenger of blood. Then the assembly will return him to the city of refuge he fled to, and he must live there until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. If the one who kills someone ever goes outside the border of the city of refuge he fled to, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the border of his city of refuge and kills him, the avenger will not be guilty of bloodshed. For the one who killed a person who was supposed to live in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest, only after the death of the high priest may the one who has killed a person return to the land he possesses. These instructions will be a statutory ordinance for you throughout your generations wherever you live. If anyone kills a person, the murderer is to be put to death based on the word of witnesses, but no one is to be put to death based on the testimony of one witness. You are not to accept a ransom for the life of someone who is guilty of murder. He must be put to death. Neither should you accept a ransom for the person who flees to his city of refuge, allowing him to return and live in the land before the death of the high priest. Do not defile the land where you live, for bloodshed defiles the land. And there can be no atonement for the land because of the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the person who shed it. Do not make the land unclean where you live and where I dwell, for I, the Lord, reside among the Israelites. Wow. Now, that is one of the most fascinating passages in the entire Old Testament, and we could spend a week worth of podcasts just on that passage in Numbers. I mean, so many fascinating things there. Maybe it's just me. Look, I uh, have been in ministry for a little over 25 years, but as I was growing up, I never thought I would end up in ministry. My goal was to be like a law enforcement agent, FBI, DEA, a detective, something like that. I mean, it started with Hardy Boys books when I was in second grade, but this was something that went with me through graduating college. I was a history major and philosophy major in college because I was planning on going to the FBI, and that was the case until I graduated. In fact, I started out in criminal justice uh, grad school pursuing a master's degree in criminal justice so I could be hired by the FBI, and that's why when I was called into uh, ministry. So uh, this kind of thing is just amazing and fascinating to me because of kind of the, the chasing of criminals, the justice, all that kind of angle. Uh, and the whole concept of the avenger of blood, I mean, it's just, it's just wow. It's really crazy. So it's very surprising. One of the ways that the Bible provides for justice in the Old Testament is this guy, the avenger of blood. Now, who is it? Is it one person? Is it several persons? Is it a masked sort of hero? Well, let's go to Michael Hoodman over at gotquestions.org, and he's going to give us a pretty good summary, uh, actually a really good summary, of who the avenger of blood is in the Bible. And this is what he says. In the Bible, 
An avenger of blood is a person legally responsible for carrying out vengeance when a family member has been unlawfully killed or murdered. The avenger of blood is usually the nearest male relative of the murdered person. This family executioner seeks justice by killing the individual responsible for the death of his relative. Mosaic law allowed vengeance killings carried out by an avenger of blood. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when the avenger comes upon the murderer. The avenger shall put the murderer to death, so says Numbers 35, 19, and also Deuteronomy 19, 11 through 12. If a family member was murdered, it became the duty of the avenger of blood to restore justice to the family and the land by pursuing and ultimately carrying out the death penalty on the person responsible. The Old Testament law is rooted in God's requirement of a life for a life in cases of murder. Quote, I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own images, uh, in his own image, singular. That's Genesis 9, 5 through 6. So the word translated avenge in Hebrew is related to the word for redeem or reclaim or restore. As a representative of God in the family, the avenger of blood redeemed or reclaimed the blood of the relative by killing the original blood shedder. An avenger of blood was to act only in cases of deliberate murder or the unlawful taking of an innocent life. Intent, or mens re as we would call it today, is a necessary element of murder. Six examples of intentional homicide are indeed outlined in Numbers 35, 16-21. The avenger of blood was not given license to act in instances of accidental manslaughter. Now, the Mosaic Law regulated the actions of the avenger of blood by providing cities of refuge for the accused. An individual who committed manslaughter or the unintentional and accidental killing of a person without malice aforethought could find sanctuary in any of the six designated cities of refuge throughout the land of Israel. In these towns, the avenger of blood's quarry was legally protected and guaranteed a fair trial. That is, of course, unless they left the city of refuge before the high priest died, and if they did that, it was perfectly legal and acceptable for the avenger of blood to strike them down. Again, it's it's just fascinating. It's amazing. Uh, I'm just thinking as a writer, I'm thinking all the interesting sort of stories you could write about this. Well, now you know who this avenger was and what their purpose was. Now, as you might imagine... The coming of Jesus changed everything. As we've learned, he initiated a new covenant, which means that Christians are no longer under the old covenant. That means we don't have an avenger of blood anymore. As Hebrews tells us, the new covenant is superior in every way to the old covenant. And as a beginning of the New Testament, the new covenant, consider this challenging teaching of Jesus that essentially overrules the avenger of blood. This is from Matthew 5 through 38 through 46. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. 
You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. It's Matthew 5, 38 through 46. Also, consider this shorter admonition of Paul in Romans 12, 19. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. So, we're no longer in the place where humans get revenge. But as Christians, we trust God to enact justice. And we can rest in knowing that God's justice is going to be perfect, wise, and fair, ultimately. Now, does this mean that governments and law enforcement should themselves refrain from executing justice? Not at all. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear that it is God who has called the governments and law enforcement agencies of the world to punish the wicked and protect the innocent. Do they always do that with purity and wisdom that they're supposed to? No, but... They are supposed to be God's hand of justice in the world today, according to Romans 13. And verses 1 through 4 says this, Let everyone submit to the governing authority, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. Because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Thus, we no longer have a family member avenger of blood, but God himself has raised up the governing authorities and the law enforcement agencies in the world today to serve the same function as the avenger of blood. Now, that brings us to a massive question. Does that mean that capital punishment is acceptable? Is it biblical? Is it just? Is it right? And that is a deep discussion that we will dive into another day. But I will say this. When we do dive into that discussion, we will very likely begin it with Romans chapter 13. Do what is good, my friends. You and I, we don't want any avengers after us. Psalms chapter 79 verse 1. God, the nations have invaded your inheritance, desecrated your holy temple, and turned Jerusalem into ruins. They gave the corpses of your servants to the birds of the sky for food, the flesh of your faithful ones to the beasts of the earth. They poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become an object of reproach to our neighbors, a source of mockery and ridicule to those around us. How long, Lord? Will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy keep burning like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that don't acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that don't call on your name, for they have devoured Jacob and devastated his homeland." Do not hold past iniquities against us. Let your compassion come to us quickly, for we have become very weak. God of our salvation, help us for the glory of your name. Rescue us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations ask, where is their God? Before our eyes, let vengeance for the shed blood of your servants be known among the nations. 
Let the groans of the prisoners reach you according to your great power. Preserve those condemned to die. Pay back sevenfold to our neighbors the reproach they have hurled at you, Lord. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever. We will declare your praise to generation after generation. Amen. Isaiah 27, verse 1. On that day, the Lord with his relentless, large, strong sword will bring judgment on Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent. He will slay the monster that is in the sea. On that day, sing about a desirable vineyard. I am the Lord who watches over it to water it regularly so that no one disturbs it. I watch over it night and day. I am not angry. If only there were thorns and briars for me to battle, I would trample them and burn them to the ground. Or let it take hold of my strength. Let it make peace with me. Make peace with me. In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will blossom and bloom and fill the whole world with fruit. Did the Lord strike Israel as he struck the one who struck Israel? Was Israel killed like those killed by the Lord? You disputed with Israel by banishing and driving her away. He removed her with his severe storm on the day of the east wind. Therefore, Jacob's iniquity will be atoned for in this way, and the result of the removal of his sin will be this. When he makes all the altar stones like crushed bits of chalk, no Asherah poles or incense altars will remain standing. For the fortified city will be desolate, pastures deserted and abandoned like a wilderness. Calves will graze there, and there they will spread out and strip its branches. When its branches dry out, they will be broken off. Women will come and make fires with them, for they are not a people with understanding. Therefore their maker will not have compassion on them, and their creator will not be gracious to them. On that day the Lord will thresh grain from the Euphrates River as far as the Wadi of Egypt, and you Israelites will be gathered one by one. On that day a great ram's horn will be blown, and those lost in the land of Assyria will come as well as those dispersed in the land of Egypt, and they will worship the Lord at Jerusalem on the holy mountain. 1 John chapter 5 verse 1 Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of Him. This is how we know that we are God's children when we love God and obey His commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep His commands. And His commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus Christ, he is the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are in agreement. If we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that he has given about his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. The one who has the son has life. The one who does not have the son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. If anyone sees a believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask, and God will give life to him, to those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I am not saying he should pray about that 
All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin that doesn't lead to death. Know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one, that is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Amen. Friends, may the word of God build you up and point you to Jesus and encourage you and lift you up in every way. Good day to you and Godspeed.